It's time for the Film Crickets with Jay Foyer and Chris Martino. On this week's episode, number 33, Jay, Chris, and their special guests from 100FM The Pike Morning Show, Mike Shue, review the 1984 American science fiction dark comedy film, Repo Man. Wait a minute, wait, 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 Chris Martineau. And we are the Film Crickets. And what we do, if you haven't heard the show before, what we do is we take a movie, usually randomly generated from the years 1980 to 1999, and then we randomly generate another number, which would represent the top 50 in the box office. And we come up with a number and we end up with whatever film that may be. So it's from the year 1990 and the number 13. That ended up being another 48 hours a couple of weeks ago. That's an example. And Mm -hmm. to keep it random, though, if we have a guest, we do ask them to pick the movie. So that also keeps it random. So we do what we like to do is make sure we don't steer the ship and become fanboys and say, do nothing but sci-fi and comedy or their horror. I like the time that Jay, like the time they came up, we're like, we're going to do Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, okay, uh, I'm not sure. It might not hold yeah. up. We skipped that one because it was like, yeah, all right. Does everybody <laughs> want to hear us say what's great about it? Everything. What sucked about it? Nothing. <laughs> yep. Show's over. So, yeah, no, we have a guest today. Uh, it is Mike Shue, and he is from 100 FM The Pike and also the Breaking the Ice podcast and another podcast called Long May You Young. And that's about uh, Neil Young. So, Mike, welcome. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks for having me. This is cool. I listen to the Mikey Adams, most of the Mikey Adams one, but I listen to the Blade Runner one because that's like one of my favorite movies. So, I mm-hmm. have an issue with both of you. <laughs> nice. Yes, we love doing this, man. It's like we. This is how we talk to each other all the time. So we were like, you know what? We're going to make yep. this into a podcast, man. You know, every time we'd call each other, we'd be like, hey, you. you we're, what, what, what about this movie? It wouldn't even be movie, like we you know, we so. would call each other. We're just like suddenly a movie would come up, and then we go down that rabbit hole for like twenty minutes. Just like going left and right and then bring in other references and whatnot. So but we just try to have fun with it. You know what I mean? It's not we're not super serious about it. It's just, you know, it's it's just movies, man. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Right? Ta- yeah. It's not taxes. It's just movies. So just have fun with it. And that's the whole point. That's so. right. There's no Leonard Malton bullshit on this podcast. <laughs> real guys having real talk. Right? <laughs> real dudes. Real right? dudes. Real, dudes. real talk. <laughs> All right. You sent me the email to invite. And uh, so I decided to check out your podcast. And I'm, I'm a total fan right now. I <laughs> think this is a lot of fun. This is awesome. Oh, good. So thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. We appreciate Thank that. You so even much. though we may disagree on Blade Runner. <laughs> yes, even though you guys he crapped all over Blade Runner, one of my favorite movies. But you know, the great thing about movies and music, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yep. But in this case, you guys are wrong. But I don't want to call on that. So, oh, that's, yep. that's mm-hmm. what's great about it, man. That's what we love. So, uh, so today's movie he presented us with Repo Man. From mm-hmm. 1984, uh, Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton. And they, so, uh, yeah, Chris, you, you want to do, do a little rundown? I, I shall, Jason. So, uh, as mentioned previously, this is Repo Man. Uh, rated R, uh, coming in at a brisk 132 minutes, just over feature length. This is directed by Alex Cox, written by Alex Cox, starring Harry Dean Stanton, Emilio Estevez, Tracy Walter, and a myriad of others, and also a lot of familiar faces uh, Tracy Walter playing the guy Miller and uh, other faces that you notice that we don't see much anymore, probably because either they're dead or moved on to other things. But um, the general idea is a young punk recruited by a car repossession agency finds himself in pursuit of a Chevrolet Malibu that is wanted for a $20,000 bounty and has something otherworldly stashed in its trunk. So on the outset, very straightforward movie. It's very obvious what the plot of this film is going to be. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse me? Wait a minute. So we have a young punk that is now gets to be a repo man. And there might be something odd in the in the trunk. And what we find out is there are alien bodies in the trunk, I imagine, Possibly. Yeah. of the of the Chevy Malibu. Um, wow. <laughs> it's a movie. It's it's a movie, <laughs> I think. 
Yes, that's right. Uh, and and, and the, the reason I was going to say that is because there were opening credits and there was some acting in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then the credits that were backwards at the yep. end, that was credits too. <laughs> Did you notice they went backwards? Yep. I'd never seen that before. Yep. They went. Uh, but then, yeah, in the middle. But by the way, before we get into the whole sh- you know, shebang, because this isn't really much of a, uh, of a subject in the film, the first name you see, yep. Mike Nesmith. <laughs> yes. I was like, what? I was like, where the hell did this come <laughs> yep. from? Well, he was producing other stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, Michael Nesmith was uh, a pioneer in music video and offbeat film production. And he took his monkey's money and his whatever white out heir to the whiteout fortune money. And he sunk it into experimental film and video. And he heard that Alex Cox was trying to get this movie done and nobody was was helping him and, and he knew somebody at Universal Pictures uh, and they he convinced them to sink some money into it. Some kind of weird deal where the filmmaker had to pay for everything and then the uh, studio would buy it All right. when it was done. Didn't quite end up wow. that way because I guess the studio changed hands in the middle. There mm-hmm. was a change of regime and according to Alex Cox, they totally sabotaged the movie as far as its release and stuff like that. But um, but Michael Nesmith was a big time supporter of this and, and a lot of other, I guess, offbeat film and video stuff. So the, the question I have then is, is now let's go time frame. And that's why I asked you, I saw this movie back in the day on video when it came out, not too soon after I was pretty young. Um, I, and it was, it was, this was a very quotable movie between my brother and sister. It was brought up a lot. So we got to bring up some of the quotes later. Now understand that at that time, I mean, I knew who Michael Nesmith was, but when you see him at the beginning of the movie, it doesn't ring any bells. Now, since that time, I went through a phase where I actually like listened to the monkeys, not a long phase, but like they, they tried to be a legit band for a little while. Like they're like, no, we're not just a TV band. We actually can do stuff. And there was a monkeys movie called head. Oh God. And it, yeah. Right. Oh, oh. Right. So, mm. so I, that was obviously just bonkers. Like the movie was nutso. Mm. And even when the monkeys had like a, had a, uh, they tried to do not a comeback, but they had a one-off TV special. I forget when in the late nineties. And it was like really odd. So now when I, I watch this movie again for the first time now longer than you, Mike, last time I saw it was probably about 1987. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it has been off the radar for quite some time. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, Michael Nesmith. And I'm like, that's why this movie is so weird. And I'm glad that you brought that up. I did not know. I know he was producing stuff, but I, like he was really going down the road of independent filmmaking, right? Is that what you're, you're basically telling me? Yeah. He was a hero to the, just the, he was kind of like a Frank Zappa with film. Okay. Like anything that was weird or went against the grain, he was always, I guess, supported, supported it if he thought it was interesting. Okay. Oh, enough. so oh, oh, that's why this movie's here. Oh, I say it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's interesting nonetheless. So Jay and Mike wouldn't I, I, I watch this movie and it starts out with Emilio Estevez right, right from the get go says he's a punk rocker. Right. It's obvious from the first scene that he's got basically no no compass, no anything. And what I find interesting is the whole movie. It's a punk rock movie. Like there's no way around mm-hmm. it. I don't mean like this punk rock in the in the movie. I'm just saying it has no rules at all. Wouldn't you say that? Right. Like this? Yeah. No rules. They're just whatever we're going to do, we're going to do, and you're going to watch it, and that's it. And that's kind of like, if I'm not, please me, tell me if I'm overstepping my bounds here, but that's kind of the whole vibe with punk rock, right? It's like, you're going to, we're going to do it, and you're going to listen to it, and we don't really care about what the rules are to music. We're just going to do it. And for that, I give, I do applaud the movie for that. It's so brave. It's brave enough to just do whatever. And it seems to me like Alex, if you look at what they said, what Alex Cox has said about the movie, he was a punk rock director. He was just going to do whatever. So he was very brave to get out there and kind of do it, um, even though he did get obviously a blowback from the probably from the studio once or twice. And apparently Harry and Dean Stanton, they did not get along at all. But but yes, Jay, to your point. Yes, it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there were no rules. And I think that's why Michael Nesmith backed it because mm-hmm. he noticed right. And there were so many people interested in doing it, you know, reading up on it. There are a lot of actors who read the script and were like, oh, I'd love to do this. There was um, one of the one of the actresses in there. Uh, I'm not quite sure who it was, but her agent kept saying, don't do this. Don't do this. It's a waste of time. It's not going anywhere. And she was like, I got to do this. This looks like a lot of fun. And 
you know, Iggy Pop is in the soundtrack and he was convinced to do uh, a song for the soundtrack because he was shown an early screening of the film. And he was like, oh, this is this is great because it's unlike and it was unlike anything else out there at the time. And yeah, I think everything about it is whatever you want to call punk rock. What I like to call punk rock is just going against the grain and getting it done yourself. And even though they had the the help of Universal Pictures, which wasn't a lot, mm-hmm. the way the film was made, the reason why people wanted to be involved in the film and then the actual film itself, just the structure and it kind of took jabs at other at other movies along the way. And obviously the subject matter was rather unorthodox, hmm. you know, or, you know, I guess you could look at some of the trauma pictures, you know, oh, and, see, I, you know, that it, it wasn't wouldn't be too crazy if you put it up against that. But, uh, you know, 1984, like what were the huge movies in 1984? Ghostbusters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. OK. And even yeah. that, which was I love. You know, but that's like a big Hollywood movie. Mm -hmm. And this was totally the opposite of everything that was. Now, I want to say I have no idea. I I really didn't get to read much uh, on it, but. Uh, but I, I, I bet you anything somewhere there is an interview where Quentin Tarantino talks about how much he likes this. (laughs) Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Tell you guys. So. So here's what I do, right, guys? So anyway, <laughs> I'm I'm watching it and I'm totally getting a, a early Tarantino vibe, minus the big monologues that go on for nine hours. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a, it, but it had that feel, mm-hmm. it, it, like, well, it, including, by the way, the weird generic foods and products that were just oh, like that. down your throat. <laughs> right? I like yeah. how he, uh, yeah. I was going to say, I like how when he goes to it, we can always get to that later, but when he goes to his parents' house, opens up a can of food. It actually said food, food, food. on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which in some cases, that's what we're eating. You know, I mean, if you're eating a Hot Pocket, what are you going to call it? It's, <laughs> it might not even be food. I call Maybe it, just fuel I, at that point. I think you. I think you that's know, a, well, you just take the hot pocket. You know, just immediately throw it in the toilet bowl and skip the middleman. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I and that's the thing that makes it punk rock to me because it really is. Is a lot of this movie that's a middle finger to the studios because mm-hmm. they are putting in the since every label in that movie is generic, which was big back in the eighties when times were tough in the early 80s, for, for particularly in the, apparently this area of Los Angeles, more on that in a minute, but it's kind of like a jab on society, right? This whole movie is a jab on normal society, right? That's what Emilio Estevez doesn't like. Like, what, are you going to be boring, right? That's why he has mm-hmm. that weird scene where he just names all those sitcoms and TV shows for no reason, saying, like, what do you want What do you want me to do? Just sit down and watch those shows and become mind-lumbed like everybody else? Well, that's actually from a Black Flag song that's on the soundtrack oh. called TV Party, which is exactly about what you just said okay, there. Okay, it's like, <laughs> are we supposed to live this life? This is not the life people are living right now, you know? Right. Oh, good. You know, this isn't Love Boat, and this isn't Fantasy Island or Happy Days. You know, I'm living in, like, the shittiest part of Los Angeles you can find. And I'm barely making it, you know, so this is not fucking happy days. Yeah. All right. Okay. You know, so that, that's from that, uh, that black flag song, but the grittiness of this is yep. very Terrence, you know, yeah, it's, it's a gritty film. And that's also what I liked about it. Cause when I, I was like 14 when I first went to Los Angeles. And so our friends there took us to like the hard rock cafe and took us to see uh, Melrose Boulevard and mm-hmm. drove us around Bel Air and Beverly Hills and Hollywood and stuff like that and showed mm-hmm. us all the landmarks. Yep. And for a while, that's all I thought L.A. was. It's all whatever you saw in the movies. It was, the you know, John Hughes movies or whatever. And I love this because it shows the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the L.A. is glamorous, but that's only a very small part right. of it. The rest of L.A. is just like this. You know, and, and just like Harry Dean Stanton says, ordinary fucking people. Mm-hmm. I hate them. <laughs> you know, that's like the whole theme of of Otto's, you know, Emilio Estevez's character. Yeah. You know, and the, he's like the younger version of Harry Dean Stanton. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Hmm. So he's that he can see his path kind of like widening out in front of him. He's going to become Harry Dean Stanton at some point. I would like to say that I wonder how much L.A. had a problem with this movie, because really it makes it look like the worst place on earth right there's crime literally everywhere not a policeman to be found you got people driving and what is it with the aqueduct why does every movie in la have to have that aqueduct in it and they always have to be driving down it 
But yeah, it's like they they make it possible. The worst place on earth. And why wouldn't you want to get out of there? Why why do you want to be like this? Um, so you right. got to wonder sometimes about like if, if L.A. was like, um, really, it's not that bad. We should watch our California commercials. You know, it's, it says, what if <laughs> it's really a nice place? It's not a dump. But I don't know. I think as far as the aqueduct goes, that was a jab at like. Like, didn't they have that in Greece? Yes. yes. Then they do like a drag race. Everyone has like that drag race. We'll, I'll race you for pink slips yep. or whatever. You know, they'll go down to the the shitty L.A. River basin there mm-hmm. and they'll drive. So I think that was kind of like another jab at the ideal okay. of what L.A. is, you know, because it's always like it's John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's fucking Harry Dean Stanton <laughs> and Otto on coke racing a couple of these the Rodriguez brothers. <laughs> You know, and then he calls them fucking gypsy dildo motherfuckers, you know, so it's like it's the op again. It's the exact opposite of something like Greece yeah. or whatever romanticized version of that particular area of L.A. Right. You know, that, that you see in a movie. That's really cool. That's I like funny. that. I never you know, thought of that. And back to the uh, the generic foods in comparison to like a high budgeted film or even a medium budgeted film, for instance, that same year. Karate Kid, which would be considered a medium budget. They, they weren't as high budget as, let's say, Ghostbusters or whatever, which, you know, became a juggernaut. But before that, it was, you know, they didn't have a, a shitload. But even they had moments where Ralph Macchio is drinking Sprite, has to spin it. So the Sprite label <laughs> is facing the camera while he's talking to Mr. Miyagi. So, I mean, that's like this weird shit that he's got to deal with. And, you know, even uh, there's a there's a quote in it when she's like, are you on something? He's like, yeah, I'm on Minute Maid. Right? <laughs> he throws the fucking yeah, right. name. You know what I mean? So there, there's, yeah. there's the opposite right there, you know, like for this this type of movie saying, you know, no, we're going to just give you nothing but generic shit. So I thought that was on, on the same note as a, as the fuck you to the uh, to the system, if right. you will. I, I saw that as like people didn't care what they were eating. Mm. You know, it was this was the 80s and it was the time of Reagan yep. and it was all about deregulation. Mm-hmm. So it's like we had all of a sudden we had acceptable levels of arsenic mm-hmm. that could go into our food mm-hmm. or chemicals that were banned before. And Reagan said, well, you know, we'll take some pressure off these these companies and they can just go ahead and put this stuff in there if it makes it cheaper for them. And so I, I just saw that as like food, beer. Mm-hmm. you know, toasty O's or whatever. And it was all the same label because it was all, all these companies, whether it's Coke, Pepsi post or whoever it was, mm-hmm. it's all the same shit mm-hmm. and it's all going into the same place. And they're all, they're, they're not here to feed America. They're here, they're here to make money, mm-hmm. you know, so they'll do whatever they can to make their food taste better. And, you know, so if that includes like squeezing the blood out of puppies and to make my <laughs> Count Chocula taste better, you know, <laughs> so I don't care. And so that's that's how I after a while that's that's how I saw it. That's yeah. this generic food. It's like we don't care. We're just feeding our. We're, it's yep. just fuel for us to make more money because yep. we're just the little people in this fucking shitty trickle down theory thing that was going on at the time. Well, Sorry. Uh, so you know, so wait, Mike, wait, 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 I got, before you before you say yeah, that, yeah. before you say anything else, I got to say for those yep. uh, who are not witnessing uh, this podcast because they're they're only listening to the podcast. When he said squeezing the blood out of puppies, his <laughs> dog entered the room. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just like That's and awesome. he had no clue. It was it was so awesome. It was like just walked by. Do 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 do. Oh my god, so that was That's pretty great. <laughs> But I, I, I like that. So, but let's look at it this another way. The only this movie is, uh, you know, it's a middle finger to to what like everybody is thinking. Right. It's that punk rock vibe is the grittiness then of this movie is that they quote unquote normal people are all brainwashed and just eating food, just jamming in my face with this generic food. And the people that aren't brainwashed and actually want to like Harry Dean Stanton says, you know, live a life and be be not normal. They're horrible right. people. <laughs> like they're not nice people like at all. Right. So the people that are breaking out of society are actually kind of like ne'er-do-wells. Emilio Estevez, I don't know how likable Otto is. Is is he is he likable at any point? He, maybe towards the end of Tad, but he's not a nice guy like at all. No, he's kind of a dick. He yeah. treats women like shit. Yeah. 
you know, and he's like, he's, he's, you know, uh, standoffish, you know, the whole punk rock thing, but mm-hmm. to the point where he's like pushing his friend into that pile of cans yeah. and he sends those guys over to beat up, you know, his manager. Yeah. They were asking him who beat him up. And it's like, we got to get revenge. So he gives his former <laughs> manager's name instead of the actual people. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's nobody. I mean, think about who in this movie is someone that you really, that you really like. When they're in the hospital, yeah. and he lifts he lifts the sheet, sees his friend, his roommate, mm-hmm. his friend. Yes, he says, "Hey, yep. Otto," and he shuts. He, he he puts the blanket back down over his face. By the way, his friend had a real <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite aspect to him, didn't he? Yes, he did. His name is Xander Schloss, and uh, he was in the punk rock scene at the time. Alex Cox was like immersed in the punk rock scene of L.A. at that time. He ended up later joining the band that was in the cocktail lounge okay. scene. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was the circle jerks. They were a punk rock band. He later joined them and was their bass player for, I think like 12 years. Wow. Um, so he, yeah, he's, he's kind of like, he does all, all sorts of things like acting, music, writing, that kind of stuff. Uh, Otto says at one point, I think, uh, I can't believe I used to like these guys. They're in the yes. uh, they're in the bar and it's actually the band that the, his buddy there is going to join later, which is interesting. But, but they're 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 a punk acoustic punk band with glittery tuxedos, which I thought was really interesting. Again, a lot of stuff in this movie is just kind of keeping you on. What did I just see? Like I don't even know what I'm watching. So uh, it kind of it's daring. It dares you to watch it. There's no doubt about that. We no longer commit to it being in order if we're talking about shit, and as long as it's fun yeah. to talk about. I do have a question. There's a guy that looks like a policeman that hangs out at the auto shop there or the uh, the repo place right yep what's mm-hmm. his name fletcher fletcher yeah. okay fletcher now yeah. there's a point where otto and fletcher's outside saying don't go in there and then he goes in and then fletcher starts holding both of them like at gunpoint or like that was really confusing i was like what what is, what's going on like so uh, any idea what <laughs> Do you have a, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I was like, why did he hold yeah. a gun to the his own his own coworker, like he at the lady that is like the secretary? Right. Yeah. I just think that shows how spineless he was. Okay. You know, like he wouldn't back up his friends. He wouldn't back up the FBI. He didn't want to go in there when the FBI was in there because they looked like they were winning. Oh, okay. Like they were gonna take her and, and he was too scared to do that when he saw that you know they were taken out then he was going to jump in and i don't think he really had respect for these people i mean these people were co-workers but if you notice there wasn't a lot of love between no them. no yeah. you know it was just know, confusing hey, hey, you know? Yeah. yeah 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 but he yeah he was i think that just just him to show how spineless he was and he really was like when otto got beaten up and he's sitting there and he's yelling at otto going i was in two world wars yeah. and i killed people and stuff and i'm like i don't <laughs> know you world don't look wars. like you're in world. <laughs> 1917 huh yeah yeah <laughs> so he found the fountain of youth apparently yeah right i just think it was like some kind of commentary on guys who had to have some kind of control. They were insecure about their masculinity because they couldn't be like, he couldn't be an actual policeman. Yep. So the, the best he could do is work with this crew mm-hmm. guarding stolen cars, basically. What? And I think that's why you always saw him knitting. Yeah. Too. You know, you always saw him knitting, which was like, I don't know. I, you can't really say, especially now knitting is like a huge thing, yep. but you know, at that time, 1984, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't common to see a man knitting. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Rosie Greer. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then you wouldn't argue. Yeah. yeah. That was like the big thing. No. He was like this giant, yeah. uh, I, what was he like? Like probably six, five and like 300 oh, something yeah. pounds. Yeah. I knit. <laughs> you bet you yeah, do. That's right. and that's cool. You go and that's dude. Cool with me, man. Yeah. <laughs> don't beat the shit out of me. That's why I, he was. That's why I think he was like that. He was just wishy washy. Mm, all right, you know, well, he was somebody that, that he took. He took a lot of crap from that crew, and but he never gave it back because mm-hmm. he just didn't. He didn't have the means to do that. So a little so bit. That's why I think. Yeah, he was like that at the end. That's your typical like guy who couldn't be a real cop, so he became a security guard thing. Right. So a, a bit of like toxic masculinity, trying to like show themselves more than they actually are. So if you look at it, each of the each of the guys in the let's talk about the code for a minute cuz we got to talk about the people that work in this friggin' office cuz they're all awful. So they all have a code, oh, yeah. right? First of all, is Harry Dean I thought he was in charge. He apparently is not because somebody else sends him home. Another time Emilio Estevez is answering the phone as the manager. 
who's in charge of that place? Is it just the secretary? Like, I don't know who's in charge of the tow place. Like any business. Yeah, it's the secretary. I know she's running right. the, like <laughs> any you guys work in radio is always the receptionist because she knew everything about everybody mm-hmm. and everything going on. So mm-hmm. she actually ran the joint. If you had a question. You, you would go to the to whoever the head of department of first impressions or whatever. <laughs> that's you know, uh, fine. You get answers from them. That's uh, that's like it is in a school, too. You don't really go to the principal. I work in a school. Right. You, you go to the head secretary. Yeah. She knows what's going on. Right. She knows everybody's name and everything. Yeah. They all seem to have a different. So there's allegedly a repo man code that Harry <laughs> Dean Stanton talks about. And then everybody. And I'm sorry if I don't remember the code. Mike, do you remember the, the specifics of the code? Because he oh, whipped off like, that line you know, fast. It's like, I'll, I shall not damage any property within or damage the car. Or, yeah. There's a lot of know, thereofs uh, in there. Yeah, thereof and, and yeah. you know, whatever. It was all, it was, it was like, he, I think he made it up. I think like so he, too. He, he held this job as like some kind of idea. Like he was like the Don Quixote of repo men. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like he thought it was like this noble thing. Yeah. Like he was really, and some people, you know, that some people find their job, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, whatever, you know, you're, you're the security guard, like we mentioned earlier or whatever you do. And it's like, I love doing this. And that was him. So I think he kind of made it up, but it's unfortunately it was a job where everybody hates you. Well, I, you know? I, I think that's interesting. You just said that because Bud, Harry Dean Stanton, like he does make the job bigger than it is just to kind of justify what he's doing. Cause I'm looking at a quote. I looked up some of the quotes so I can remember them. And one of the quotes he has is, credit is a sacred trust. It is what our free society was founded on. Do you think they give a damn about their bills in Russia? Like, right. And it's like, well, no, they don't pay their bills in Russia. Are you a fucking commie? No, I'm no commie. Well, I don't want no commies in my car. No Christians either. So right. the, the fact of the matter is that he looks at these people that don't pay their bills on their car as violating a sacred trust. No, they're just not paying their bills. Relax. Just going to go take right. the car back. And whatever the case may be. But it also seems like everybody else, you know, all the people in this are named after beers. Yeah, there's Light, Light. Miller. Yep. Yeah, um, that's right. So um, the uh, the African-American guy has almost a different set of code entirely. Like he doesn't, he's not in it for the same reason as Harry Dean Stanton thinks it's some sacred trust. Whereas Light thinks it's more like we just got to, you know, I'll kill, I'll kill a man. I don't care. I'm doing my job because it's my job. And he fires the blanks right. into the house, which was absolutely. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. my God. Get back in the car. Yeah. He just wants to be shaft, basically. I mean, I don't know. Like he's he's just cruising around like it's a cop show. Like for him, it's it's whatever. But then it seems as though the only person in there that is elevated above is the is the tow truck guy. I forgot the, the most. Oh, uh, Tracy Walter yeah. uh, Miller Miller. Right. Because right. he's the one that talks yeah. about. Like I don't, I don't drive so I can watch the world around me. It was that the more you drive, the dumber you you get. Right, and, I think. And, or something and like he that. works yeah. around cars for a living. He's a mechanic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the more you drive, the dumber you are. And that's where he, right. you know, he has those, you know, UFOs are really time machines, and like he seems to be the wisest one, but he's absolutely not. But he seems to have the most of it together, even though his ideas are wacko like he's just it's just nutso so he's a very interesting character because it seems as though to me not a moral compass but i don't know it's hard i'm trying to think about how i would describe it to be you know what it is because even like you know so you have harry dean stan he's got this code but it's it's really just bullshit because light says we're car thieves just like they are when they're talking about the rodriguez Mm -hmm. brothers and that's that's very true. And but lights like, you know, I, if they, I come into their place of work. They think I'm there to kill them. And I will if I have to. And duh, and I got a gun and all this stuff. But he takes off on auto. His guns have blanks yep. in mm-hmm. them. He talks a big mm-hmm. game like that whole thing. You like music. Mm, you're going to love these guys. They want me to manage them back mm-hmm. in the day. I call bullshit. On, it's like, really? <laughs> Yeah. How many guys did you run into say, oh, I know so-and-so in this band and they wanted me to join mm-hmm. or they wanted me to be their manager. What the fuck ever. And it's just a load yep. of crap. Well, I got something. Uh, there are many people that are near Brockton that say, I, 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 I trained with Marvin Hagler. Right. <laughs> right? <It's- laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And so I think it's Miller's the only guy who is just completely mm-hmm. honest. All right. That's, that's it. Everybody else. Everybody else is just bullshitting yep. you. Everybody else in that movie is just bullshitting you. From the biggest bullshitter who's that evangelist on yep. TV 
to whoever the Rodriguez brothers or Marlene or whoever. You know, it's just he's the only guy that's talking that's telling it yep. straight. And, I, and you know what? That scares me a little bit. And here's why. Because I agree with that. No, that's a really good point. But I'll tell you another thing is that like I teach science, right? So that's what I do when I'm not doing hair, right? So I teach science at a high school. And one of the things they'll ask me when I do my wacko lectures sometimes, most of it's pretty like straightforward. I do science. But they'll we'll talk about space and they'll talk to me about aliens. And, and they'll say, Mr. Marno, do you think that aliens are coming to Earth? And I'm like, no, I don't uh, because because they're too far away. It would take them too long to get here. They don't even know we're here. We're a little blue dot in the middle of nowhere. Like they they need, why would you fly a gajillion miles to a place you may or may not find something, right? So the, no one knows we're here. It's a big empty space. So I have said to my students, but there are people who think they've seen UFOs. So what are they? Well, they're one of two things. They're military and they're telling us, or, and I swear to God, they're time machines. They're us from the future coming to visit us because you, at least you know where to look if it's us from the future. And I, and I watched that today. I'm like, oh, my God, what have I done? Right. I'm going to be standing next yeah. to a, a garbage can on fire pretty soon talking about yeah. what are they, man? They're just us from the future. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm that guy. It's a cosmic <laughs> unconsciousness, <laughs> it's man. A- like, say you think about a plate of shrimp, mm-hmm. you know, and somebody says plate or shrimp that, you know, that's. But you know what? Aren't we? trying to travel millions of miles away and we don't know what's out there. Aren't we doing that same exact thing that you're saying the aliens won't find us because no, they don't we're want not, to do? We're, we're just trying to get to Mars. We know that's like next door. Mars is next door. That's not a big deal. We're talking like past okay. solar systems. Like the next star is like 4.5 light years away. That's about 20 times 10 to the 15th. So 20 quintillion meters away it would like take far too long to get there. And we'd need a signal to go. Like we're, we're just going to Mars just because. Just because it's the next place to go. But if you're going to try to find civilizations, you need proof that they're there and there's no proof. So why would you spend all those resources? That's that's my point. Mm. Right. Unless there's oil there. Well, that's true. Then we're, <laughs> yeah. the, the bushes are on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy Walter, wow. though, I got to say, uh, underrated. Not, yes. not a lot of people think about him. Uh, you know what I mean? But when he's in something, he really makes his presence known. But he does, right. he's one of those people you have to look him up <laughs> to say, what's his name again? I'm actually doing that right now. And, and I say that and I go, you know, that guy that played in uh, that that stupid sequel for Conan. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. It was in Conan the Destroyer. <laughs> you know, was, I uh, forgot about that. Oh, was wasn't bad. he also in um, the Bob Newhart show? Was he uh, one of the brothers there, Daryl, no, my other brother? No. Was that something different? No, it was somebody else. Uh, he oh, was you know in what? Batman. That, that was the guy from he Blade Runner, which you guys said sucked. Yes. I, yes, I that is the guy from Blade Runner. <laughs> Not going to let right. that go. Never going to let that go. He was the guy who had the weird toys in yes. Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah different guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he was the genetic uh, engineer. But uh, uh, Tracy Walter was in Batman. Yeah, he's been in a ton of yes. things. He's not a leading guy, but like you, like you said, when he's in something, you know, you'll remember him. Yeah. You know, because it's such a weird part usually. You know? Well, it's like that, that, uh, the, the mailman guy in, in the burbs, the, the garbage man, the burbs. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah he yeah. was also in gremlins. He's in all of, of Joe Dante's movies You know, like, Oh, him again. This is going to be, Hey, look, he's playing a blue collar guy. Who'd have thought, you know, we haven't actually we've talked about this movie for a little while now and no one's brought the fact that there's a car full of alien bodies trying to get from Arizona to Los Angeles. And they're being tracked by some weird subversive, probably not even the government, but like a black ops, black government organization with a woman with a metallic hand. Right. What? what? Huh? And that's where we've talked about this movie, talking about what is truth? What is honesty? Who are these people? What are they trying to tell us about society? And we've skipped over the issue that there's radioactive aliens in a car trying to go from here to there. And that to me is amazing. That's got to say something about the movie, right? Is the, Are the aliens just shoehorned in as a plot device to end the movie? Because does it do the aliens even matter? Uh, Except for the fact that it brings together, they're all looking for this $20,000 car. And they all right. start screwing each other over. 
by the yeah. way, for the 20,000. So it becomes, it's a mad, 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 mad world, but with, <laughs> but with cars. Right. No, it's the departed. Good. It's the <laughs> departed. <laughs> it's, the, it's got the big W. <laughs> got to find a big W. Fucking um, hated that ending. Of what? <laughs> the, the departed? The, the, yeah, fuck that movie. Oh. Yeah. What, what, what part of the ending did you hate? <laughs> oh, hey, you want to suffer through this movie for three hours? Everyone's dead. Goodbye. <laughs> that's, that's, See, that's there's, there's no winners, man. There's no winners. <laughs> there's no winners in crime, Jay. <laughs> yeah. What do you want? People just know, walk man. away? It just after that, I was like, oh, Jesus, fuck. I, <laughs> I was here forever. <laughs> Nothing. You gave me Mark Wahlberg killing Matt Damon. Spoiler alert. <laughs> that wasn't enough. Well. Yeah. I mean, right, that's sorry. the message of this movie too right i mean it's like you know we're all you know we're all rebellious when we're young and we have these ideals and fuck the man and all that stuff but mm -hmm. really as we get older things happen you know you get a job maybe or you buy a house or you have a kid or you do all those things and next thing you know it's not about rebelling anymore it's about you know mm -hmm. trying to be normal or, or trying to provide or whatever and the only mm -hmm. way you escape this blueprint that we're all basically have to follow in this society is that if you come across a car with dead aliens in the trunk that can travel <laughs> through time that's the only way you can that escape is. and only two people made it out of this movie and it's probably yep. two out of every 300 million people that make it out that way mm -hmm. you know so it's kind of saying there really are no winners you know unless wow. that's going to happen at some point we also didn't bring up this dude that's driving the car for a while with one <laughs> with one lens in his sunglasses and he's always driving around like he's drunk now i was wondering is he driving like that because he's affected by what's in the trunk like after a while yeah. he's been with it so long that he's just sort of like it's <laughs> yeah. like he's like, he's not even talking right and you never see him drinking so you know he's, he's being affected by them it's pretty funny i love his the j frank parnell is that his name? Mm -hmm. I think in the movie, and uh, yes, he may be the only other character that's completely honest, like Miller. You know, he he may be the same thing. Like he's one, of, and he's kind kind of caught up in the middle of it all. But the whole inventor of the neutron bomb thing, I think, is is hilarious. I'm more focused on the fact that he is this nuclear scientist that comes across aliens, and do we we never find out again? And I'm okay with it. Why why did he steal them? Where is he going? Yeah, the neutron bomb thing, I think, uh, kind of is related to that because I think the people you were talking about, the woman with the metal hand, Darth, yeah, yeah. Darth Vader, I like to call her, and then <laughs> you know the guys in the white suits and stuff like the stormtroopers, but they're they're after that because the government wants to weaponize that, and okay. I think that he's after designing the neutron bomb and then feeling terrible about it and then getting a lobotomy. You know, he didn't, yes. want to, he felt so bad. He got a lobotomy, you yep. know? And so he, he doesn't want the government to have this power. And I think okay. that's why he stole it. Cause he said, they'll just use it for, for terrible things. But he stole aliens, aliens that can dissolve a human body though. That's a valid point. All right. I, I took that as the aliens are so radioactive that right. when you, uh, when you open the trunk of this, basically lead, I guess a lead line car, um, the, uh, the radiation <laughs> comes out only, only then to vaporize the people behind it. It doesn't matter. Look, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I get accused of being, oh, it's just a movie. I, I get it. Like, I'm okay with that plot device because it's a, it's a wacko movie. Like, whatever. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't matter. Any of that stuff doesn't matter. The fact that, you know, you're driving a car with a ceiling reel and it goes up. I mean, well, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, I know what I'm up against. It's, it's fine. But he's obviously this gonzo character, but you're right. He is kind of like the only honest one. But Emilio Estevez, does have an honest movie. And one of my, actually one of my favorite lines from a movie is when his ex-punk buddy gets shot in the convenience store. And he says, and I, and I had to look it up because I want to get it right. Because it's actually, I think, one of the honest, most honest moments in the movie is that this guy, Duke, he's kind of like a foe. He's the guy that says, let's go do some crimes. He says, yeah, let's go order sushi and not pay for it. Right. Um, yeah. that's, <laughs> I love that. But, but he gets shot and he says, the lights are good. He's talking to Emilio Estevez. He's on the ground bleeding. And he says, the lights are going dim. I know a life of crime has led me to this sorry fate. What is that about? And yet I blame society. Society me made me what I am in auto. Bullshit. You're a white suburban punk just like me. But it still hurts. But it still hurts. You're going to be all right. And then Duke groans and, and then Emilio says, oh, maybe not. Maybe and not. I like the fact that he says he's 
He's saying he's a poser. He's saying like, look, I want to live this lifestyle, but I'm not that lifestyle. I, I, you know, and you see him at the beginning when he's doing the mosh dance, he's moshing with his other friends and boy, does he look uncomfortable? Like he doesn't look like he's actually like moshing. He's just kind of like in there kind of bumping around people. But really a mosh pit is your, a good place to die, uh, basically. So uh, to me, he's he knows and all of his friends, he knows they're all they're all posers. They're not like you're trying to be rebellious, but you're really not. You're just doing a bunch of crimes. You're not really what you say you are. You're just going to go do crimes. How about when they they just robbed a place, right? One of them's got a bag on the head. The other one's got a uh, cover on her head. And the bald guy, no mask. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, just in case you want to describe him, here he is. Yes. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was great. They're, they're fuck ups for sure. And yeah. What, you know what? That's the line that really connected with me when I first saw it because that was me. You know, I lived in Natick, I grew up in Natick, Massachusetts. All right. It was basically mean streets of Natick. I know it's like it's a high school football town and I just couldn't wait to get out of Natick. And that's that's why I think I connected. There was a time where I watched this movie every day after school for like a while. Yeah. To the point where my girlfriend was like, I don't want to be around you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, gonna go back and I'm gonna watch the movie she's like okay we'll have fun i'm not coming so i'm gonna be like oh come on well you can watch she's like i've seen it 18 times yeah you know i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch it again you know I, I just watched it over and over and i think that's why i connected with that so so much it was just like i you know i thought where i lived everybody was bullshit mm-hmm. nobody was honest no like she says no one is innocent you know mm-hmm. what if he's innocent no one is innocent nobody's perfect you know, my little teenage brain was like, well, the fuck that, you know, I'm perfect because I can see all this bullshit. But, you know, obviously that wasn't really true. But I, I think that's why I, I connected so much with this movie, because he was it. this movie, not just Otto, but everybody was just calling out bullshit left and right. True. You know, and I and I was just like, yeah, no kidding, man. This is all fake. You know, being on the football team doesn't mean shit. You know, mm-hmm. getting a job doesn't mean shit. Going to college doesn't mean anything we're trapped in this thing where we have to do these things or else we're considered to be either we're outsiders or we're misfits or we're communists or whatever, you know, if we didn't do all that crap, I think that's why I connected with it. But then that line, as, as I got older, that line just meant more and more, you know, it's like, you've mm-hmm. got nothing to fucking complain about. Mm-hmm. You're not like in friggin' Jerusalem right now, or mm-hmm. you're not somewhere in Palestine right now getting bombed, right? Mm-hmm. You're living in Natick. All right. And you're, you're getting pissed off because, you know, they got your orange Julius order wrong at the mall. At the giant mall. Right. Exactly. As I got older, I'm like, yeah, everybody's just bullshit. You know? So I, I just want to point out, Mike, that are you, you are aware that it's graduation season, right? And uh-huh. I'm sure Natick High School is going to have a graduation soon. And I think they might be looking for a keynote speaker. And I oh, think you should give them that speech. I've actually put in a request, but they don't they don't even let me near the place now. Yeah. <laughs> Not like I went anyway. Congratulations, class 2021. Just keep in mind, this is all bullshit. Your diplomas are bullshit. <laughs> the college you got into is bullshit. <laughs> all right. That's, that's so great. Oh, the places you'll go. Fuck you. Right, yeah, you're, you're following a formula that only works for one in like 8,000 people. So good fucking luck with that. Have fun. You're working at Ikea or you're delivering for Amazon. That's what you're doing. All right. Which I did both. So I'm, that's why I can say that. So I've well ensconced in that culture. All right. Right. That's fantastic. I love that. That's so funny. So that's why I love this movie. That's why I watched it every day for a month because it's just like I felt that way. And then as I watched it, it, to me, it aged like fine wine. It just became more true. And then I, it kind of like, I was able to just laugh at myself. Like I was such a fucking idiot. Just thinking like I had some battle with the world and I really had, I really had nothing going on. Yeah. You know, nothing serious anyway. What I tend to sell, because I teach high school. So that what I tend to tell my students is what you guys think is a big deal to you is a big deal right now. But with some perspective, you're going to realize your big deal was not a big deal. And you, you don't know that yet. And you can tell young kids that till they're blue in the face. But until they understand, until they see it, they're not going to. I'm just some old fart saying it. But the fact of the matter is somebody still needs to tell them, I understand you think this is a big deal. I get mm. it. It's not. 
you can't tell a kid it's not a big deal. I don't know. So it's right. like that's that's where this movie kind of comes in is like with as you just said, it as you get older, you realize the points that they're making more and more because you've had big deals now. You're, mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? You've seen some shit and now you know the stuff that was a big deal then is just not a big deal at all. This right. is the big deal because I've seen it. And that's, you know, they don't want to hear that, but whatever. It's part of a cosmic unconsciousness. <laughs> just like Miller says. That you know, makes me want to have a plate of shrimp. <laughs> it's like a series of coincidences. Another another scene I love is the uh, the when they're partying in the yard and they're talking about John Wayne. Yes. I just love that scene. It's just, it's one of the things I think in this movie that still ma- makes it relevant today is the whole like ideal man thing, you know, like mm-hmm. Tom Brady or mm-hmm. whoever, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like that whole speech about, I installed two way mirrors at his apartment in Brentwood or his pad in Brentwood. And he come to the door and address and all those other guys get so upset that they get violent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, unfortunately that's still relevant today. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, nothing's changed. You used to say something about Reagan in the 80s and people mm-hmm. would like get in your face and then oh, really hmm. nothing's changed. Who, you who know? do people get? Who, who, who can we say that about now? Hmm, not sure. Really, uh, it's everybody. <laughs> it's, it really, it's both sides. You know, you yeah, can't right. say anything and they'll just get in your face. You know, it's like, well, yep. I can't have an opinion or, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, or, you're right. I, without someone threatening me with violence. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, well, social media makes it worse. Yes, it makes it ten times worse. The problem with the so is that suddenly it, social media could have been such a great thing, and it is a great thing, except for the fact that it gives people the foundation that their opinion matters, <laughs> and it actually kind of doesn't. It's just an opinion. It's something we can have discourse about. You know, like that's this whole like for instance, Blade Runner. We're not going at each other about Blade Runner. You're not calling me an asshole because I don't like Blade Runner. Not to your face. I'm not doing it to your face. <laughs> no, he'll wait till we're off. I'm gonna do it on Twitter, so I'm not looking at you directly. Those guys don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like we can we can talk about it and it's okay and we All can right. de- agree or disagree or whatever. But yeah, that's that's a problem. Like suddenly I, Rian Johnson, who directed Last Jedi, which we're not gonna get into Last Jedi, right? Of our opinions on Last Jedi, but he directed it like he thought he should direct it. He took the story where he thought it should go. Whether we agree with it or not, doesn't matter. He's a director. That's it. And people like were sending him like manifestos on why <laughs> they have proof. They have proof Ugh. that he dis- that he disrespected Luke Skywalker and on social media. And he's just responds by going, "It's a movie. Like, <laughs> relax. It's a movie. Like, how do you have proof?" that I disrespected Luke Skywalker. I directed the movie. I have the proof. What are you talking about? But everybody thinks that their opinion is now is fact without any basis in anything. And that's why I like this show because we have opinions. Are they based in fact? I don't know. No, because it's, it's movies. Yeah. It's movies. We don't see them the same way. You know, it's all, it's all going through the filter we've built up through our lives, you know? And and so it's like, everybody's filters different. You know, everybody sees movies differently. Here's music, taste food or, wine yeah. or beer the a different way so there's really mm-hmm. no right or wrong answer unless right. you're talking about blade runner but everything else <laughs> you know, everything else you know it's 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 you know you're entitled to your opinion yeah, and we got this uh <laughs> we're about to come upon this site this segment called final judgment is and that's when we decide how well it's held up over these years i jokingly called it final judgment because it's our opinion. And yeah. there's nothing final about this. It's not like our opinion has some sort of a cement <laughs> yeah. in the way we know. That, that's why we mm-hmm. call it that, final judgment. In fact, Steve, the guy that voiced it, I, I said, make sure you put, are you ready to rubber stamp this bitch? Meaning like, you know, as, as, as if somehow our opinion is a concrete thing. In fact, next year, I could have a totally different opinion and change my <laughs> right. mind. So yeah. that's where the, so I think that being said, let's get to final judgment. What do you say? It's time now for final judgment. Are you ready to rubber stamp this bitch? Here's the final judgment. So I'm going to say is this. I, I watched this movie, and as I said before, I hadn't seen it since really on VHS in 87. Hadn't even thought about it in quite some time. I knew it was there, and I also knew it was a cult movie. I went into this movie, and I remember, and I have very fond memories of watching this movie with my brother and sister, who are six and eight years older than me, and them quoting the shit out of this movie and just laughing 
and laughing about it like he came to the door in a dress. And uh, Life of a Repo Man is always intense. And uh, the hell he was. And, and all of those. Uh, and I remember them laughing. And I watched them. And I, and I laughed, too. So I'm like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I watched it again, finally. And what I was hoping for was that same feeling. And I didn't have it. So does that mean, for me, it didn't hold up for that? I didn't feel that magic from before. Now, I'm not saying, well, that was you know 40 friggin' years ago or whatever it was. I get it. All, all, I'm just broadcasting the fact that I didn't see what they were laughing at like those many years ago. Why? I can't explain why. So for that, it didn't hold up for me. I was, I was hoping to recapture that because those were good moments with my brother and sister. And I wasn't able to get that. And I just, I was, I wanted to laugh at those moments and I couldn't. And it's not like I quote this movie a lot. It's not like I quote it like I quote a lot of movies because I don't see it a lot. So for me, it didn't hold up that way. I'm going to say this and I don't know. And I'm going to ask you, Mike, because it seems... I don't know why. Well, because you have a, it seems like you have a special place in your heart for this movie. It seems to me this movie was one point five million dollars in budget. Domestic gross one hundred twenty nine thousand. So nobody saw the movie. And then it got this cult following, probably when the VHS came out, because I had an awesome cover, had Emilio Estevez. Right. And it had all these weird things. So cult movies are one thing because they're people like them because they're weird and they're they're off the beaten path. Usually that's what means is a cult movie. I don't know that does it still have the same following as a cult movie as it did in say the late 80s. Have people forgotten about Repo Man is really what I'm asking. Cuz it seemed it did nothing in the box office and then it was a big cult movie and I don't know that it like Big Trouble in Little China to me is still like a cult movie that everybody has seen. You know what I mean? Whereas oh, I don't I know, know that everybody's seen Repo Man. Right. You get what I'm saying? And I'm not disrespecting the movie. In all fairness, Repo Man did not have Kurt Russell. So cut it some slack. All right. Well, <laughs> I, oh, that's the only thing. Like, I'm asking the question, wondering, does it hold up as a cult movie? Because it seems like not a lot of people talk about it anymore. Not saying right. it's good or bad. I just don't I don't know that they do like other cult movies. That, I understand. That's my, you get my point? Uh, yeah, I understand. Like if they had a midnight showing. Yeah. Friday night at the local theater, how many people would show up? Right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking not as many as, say, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. You know, or Which, Toxic Avenger. Right. You know, or some of those really mm -hmm. like major cult movies. Right. Um, I think that you're right. This holds this movie holds a special place in my heart because it was one of the first movies I connected, really connected with. As like I love there were movies I loved, like the Star Wars and the Star Trek movies. And I loved like Apocalypse Now. I thought that was a great movie when I saw it, but I didn't connect with any of those people. Mm -hmm. You know, th it was yeah. just too much. But mm -hmm. this was like right on my level. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I identified with Otto. My parents mm -hmm. weren't burned out hippies that gave all their money to, <laughs> you know, some church, thankfully. But other than that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I kind of felt so. Yeah, there is a special place in my heart. I did watch it every day for a month, you know, but I think yeah. it holds up as a snapshot of that particular time, 1984. Sure. And the Cold War, the Reagan mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. the music scene in Los Angeles, you know, which later a lot of those people became very influential. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that uh, some of the stuff in there is still relevant today. I don't know. I don't know if that necessarily means it holds up as a film yeah. today, like if you showed it to somebody. But I think, sadly, a lot of it is still relevant. Sure. I but agree. Not, not a lot has changed mm -hmm. since 1984 for some of the things they bring up in that film. Sure. All right. You know, so that's to me. I don't know if that means it holds up, but I still think it's a great film in that way where it kind of the subject matter kind of lasted this long. All right. Cool. That's great. Did I just made sense when I was talking. Cause I, I Absolutely. lost, I can't think and talk at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I do what I can not to spend money. We, we're, we have zero budget on this, this podcast. So right now we're trying to build it and let it mm -hmm. become larger. So then, you know, we can actually make something off of it. But I try my hardest to watch what I can for nothing. And thank you, my local library, which didn't have it, but they have the system where they say, I can say, well, somebody, one of your other libraries in a neighboring town has it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I asked for this like last Monday and they shipped it out. And by, by the yeah. time it was like Friday, they ended up getting it. 
Hey, man, if I don't have to blow yeah. four bucks on a movie, I'm not going sure. to. All right. Yep. Rock, man. Punk rock. Punk rock. That's, that's yeah. right. And what's cool about it. The library it, is punk rock. Yeah, that's that right. Is. <laughs> it is. You know why it? You know why it's punk rock? Because nobody goes anymore. (laughs) Everybody's on the phone. Nobody goes to the fuck. Oh, well, look it up on my phone. Go to the fucking library. (laughs) So thank you. Uh, Because nobody had it on uh, any of the streaming services for free. Now, that being said, the version I got, and I didn't have time to be really delving into it, but I got the Criterion Collection. And they so they gave me the one that's it's green. It's got a skull on the on the cover and it's right. it's two discs. It comes with a book. I mean, wow, I'm not wow. kidding. Like a, a booklet. Mike, you want to look in? You might want to look into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no shit. <laughs> right. Listen, so what cool. I'm saying is I'm going to base my opinion saying, yes, it does hold up because there is somewhere a need for that. Meaning somebody out there wants to blow $30 because it said on the thing on my little receipt, your visit today saved you $30 <laughs> if somebody bought that that movie. Yep. And I was like, well, it, there's a big enough of a cult following somewhere that is mm-hmm. about to blow $30 on owning this thing. And it means a lot to have such uh, to the point where there's not only that one disc that had bonus features. And I imagine the second one had tons of bonus features. So mm-hmm. and a little book that went along with it. So I would say something like that. And it has to hold up. Now, is this film for everyone? No, me included. No. It was a little strange. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's a point where I'm, I'm watching this going, well, yeah, I'm probably never going to pop this, <laughs> pop this in again. <laughs> you know, it's not my style. But I do appreciate it. I appreciate that whoever was in charge said, this is what I want. And they put it out there as however they had it. And so like this was their vision. They brought it to life. I got to respect. So I say it holds up for the fact that they uh, they did what they needed to do. It's kind of like the big chill was for hippies who had to let go of the hippie dream. Mm -hmm. And this is for people like me who had to let go of the punk rock dream and become literally a tool for the man, you know, mm-hmm. just to, just to provide and, or to, to, to make it. And, mm-hmm. but on a much smaller scale, like underground scale, as opposed to the big chill, you know, which was right. so huge. Right. But this is, this is on a much, much smaller scale, just like, just like what punk rock should be, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that the, the people that were punkers back in the day that managed to hold on to one little shred of, you know what, I'm not going to go to Walmart. I'm going to go to the mom and pop store and they make that decision. Or, you know, I'm not going to buy the food, you know, I'm going to go to my farmer's market or something like that. Uh, You know, this are holding on to those little bitty things. Those may be the people who are hanging on like me, who are hanging on to this film, who will, Mm -hmm. I will definitely spend $30 to get what you just described. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'd love to have that in my home and right. bore the shit out of my daughter with it. Yeah. <laughs> and say, this is what it's all about, man. And she's like, shut up. I'm listening to Brockhampton. You know, so, you're right. Like I so someone spending 30 bucks on this with a booklet and two and two discs in it. So yeah, it's enough. And we all know the movie studios don't just dish out money like that for something they know is not gonna. Right. You know, not going to at least sell a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget the ultimate punk rock idea of actually owning physical media. Right. And actually yeah. having a library that takes up space in yes. your home of physical media. Because right. I'm sorry, that's the best way to go. I don't give a shit. I mean, I'll have a digital copy of something, but I want the goddamn disc. I want to see it on my shelf in alphabetical or chronological order by director right there that's bullshit i would say Sorry. Uh, I, no but i agree with you and i just want to say that it's usually for stuff we really care about like if yeah. it's something you want if like if you want to own a movie but you want, you want to own it because it's because it's kind of a fun film that you think you watch you know occasionally then download it but if it's something yeah. that means a lot to you buy the physical mm-hmm. copy because then there's something yeah. that's displayed yeah, the, right there a collector's edition you know right. like you were saying criteria criterion or the collectors that did like i love the big lebowski and i had the dvd and then i saw that you could buy like the 10-year anniversary edition in a mini bowling ball 
oh my know, god a booklet in it and the two di- the whole deal and it's in this little like bowling ball it says the big you know and i'm like well i gotta own that you know but i'm not <laughs> i'm not saying that about you know like bachelor party or even star wars or any of the star trek movies or anything mm-hmm. like that you know right. i don't have anything collector there but it's you're right it's something we have to really be emotionally connected to. Uh, so. I'll put a I'll put a shitty movie next to a good movie on my shelf. I don't care. Five dollar bin, five dollar bin. I'll take it. What? I'm sort of interested. It's up there. Don't care. Right. Well, I'm not I saying have I'm, not, it. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that like I'm ashamed. Like I love yeah. the Cannonball Run movies. I'm not ashamed to say that. Oh, <laughs> wow, really? They're just. They're just. Yeah, I know. And you look. You watch them now. I saw them in the movie theaters. Yeah. You no, know, mm-hmm. but then you you watch them now. You're like, geez, I hope nobody knows I'm watching this because this. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Deluise is so funny. <laughs> oh, it's so. It's just. It's just like if you, I don't even know how they're still selling this movie or streaming it anywhere. <laughs> you know, with what's going on these days. You know, mm-hmm. but it's like they were just. They're just. Fun. Dom Deluise is just. He's just friggin' funny. You know, so I, I gotta have these movies. All right, Jamie Farr playing an Arab, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jackie, Jackie Chan playing a Japanese guy. You know, yeah. obviously Jackie. <laughs> Holy Chan, shit! Chinese, you know. So it's- and he was hanging out with that giant from uh, Happy Gilmore. Well, oh, oh yeah, John's Richard Keel. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's right. yes. I want to thank you for, for joining us. Uh, uh, we had a blast today and I, I hope uh, maybe uh, you'll come back in the future because this was, this was a blast. It really was fun. Thanks a lot. No, it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. I love talking movies and I, I love your podcast. You know, I'm going to try to listen to the other episodes. And uh, so thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. If if you do have me back on in the future, it should be a uh, a rewatching of Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm never gonna let it go. Never let it go. I gotta let it go. Wow! Blade Runner 1.5. All right, I love the Annie. I love the Annie. I'll say okay. you should. We should all watch the Blade Runner sequel. Oh no! Oh. What? 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 That's no good, Mike. What? That's no uh, good. Well, <laughs> if you turn the sound down, it's visually exciting. Oh, yes. I see. I yeah. said we're picky about our Blade Runner. Oh, oh you get it. That's all right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's no Edward James almost. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks again. That was really great. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah, Mike, thanks, I, I, I don't think I, I let you know, but next week we're having uh, Kevin Barbary on. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Oh, my God. What are you talking about with him? I don't know. He hasn't told us what movie yet. Oh, my. Do, have you ever talked to him before? Not. No, not in person. I, I just spoke to him on the uh, uh, on email and whatnot. He's one of those guys that can call like recall information. You know, it's like that guy with the mustache that was in this movie in 1979 and he was mm-hmm. standing next to this guy. Yeah, that's so and so. And then he later invented Country Time Lemonade or so- he's just <laughs> wow. He's filled, I'm just warning you because he's filled with so many facts that he can recall just like that. Like if you're wondering about somebody's name, he knows every single the name of every single episode like Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation episode. Like wow. names of the episodes. I'm a Trekkie. I couldn't even tell you those. No, I'm wow. just like, oh, that's the one where they go back in time and there's Nazis and he'll tell you the exact, you know, the exact name of the episode and stuff. So you're going to have, it's going right. to be pretty amazing talking to him, especially if it's about a movie he loves because oh, he's going to have tons of facts about it. It's going to be great. All right. Now, now I got to do homework. Oh, <laughs> just man. let him talk. Yeah. You guys, yeah you guys are all set. Yeah, he'll man. supply the info. Right. So yeah, man, that's awesome. Mike, why don't you, uh, replug your uh stuff that you do you know so tell people where to find you and different things like that yeah i'm on uh, i do mornings at uh, 100 fm the pike here in worcester 6 to 10 a.m monday through friday i'm on saturday 4 to 7 and uh i do uh, the breaking the ice podcast uh which is a pot it's kind of like just a current events podcast and uh i do that with my former waf partners in crime isaiah and josh dolan and then I do a podcast about Neil Young called Long May You Young. And I do that with Luke and Russ Condon, who are in the Bandtown meeting. And we like to just say that we have a Neil problem. And this is kind of like our, you know, it's, it's our therapy session every week. What we do is we cover Neil's albums by episode. So we, wow. we do a deep dive into his albums. So now we're getting into the 2000s these days and, and things are starting to get bad again. But, but <laughs> I've been doing that. We just had our 50th episode. So uh, wow. if you want to, people can check those out. If, if you're a Neil Young fan, if, if you're not a Neil Young fan and you give it a chance, you'll probably just get 
uh, frustrated and confused and shut it off. But still, give it a try if you can. We could use that. Right, man. That's great. Awesome. Cool. We ask people if you can email us at filmcrickets8099 at gmail.com. Basically, you can find us on uh, all the different, wherever the hell you get your podcasts. And the, the one last thing we ask is that if you like the show, please rate and review on Apple. Mm-hmm. And tell your friends. All, all right. right. Well, thanks, Jake. Take care, everybody. Right. Uh, thanks, Mike. And uh, have a great week. Take care. Bye. Film Cricket. Chirp about movies.